there's a part of me that says, you know, I love my children too much to allow them to be born. So my refusing and my opting out of childbearing is an act of love. Black women are tired. In a world that constantly demands more from Black women, I am giving Black women permission to join me in actively opting out of societal expectations that are weighing us down. The Black Woman Opt-Out is more than just a podcast. It's a movement towards owning our freedom, reclaiming our time, and opting in to softer expectations for ourselves. Join me, Deandra Coleman, on this transformative journey as I explore insightful conversations, practical strategies, and inspiring stories that resonate with your soul. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Black Women Opt Out podcast. I am your host, Deandra Coleman. And today we have the lovely, the beautiful, the talented Chandra Roxanne. And I want to let you know a little bit about her before we jump into our conversation today, which, by the way, will be super controversial for some and uber liberating and freeing for others. Chandra Roxanne is an early stage VC investor with a passion for startups founded and led by diverse women and men. Roxanne began her journey as the technology lead for U.S. tech startups funded through the SBIR-STTR program at the National Science Foundation. At the Yale School of Management, she co-built the Global Social Entrepreneurship India course as part of the program on social enterprise, which she managed. During her time at Yale, the Association for Cultural Economics International selected her as the 2016 Young Researcher for her work on arts currency, a monetary system and shared economy for the arts. In 2021, Roxanne completed her MSc in Economy, Risk, and Society from the London School of Economics and Political Science. She also earned a certificate in venture finance from VC University, a joint initiative between the NVCA Berkeley Law and Venture Forward. Featured in Business Insider and by the NVCA's Venture Forward as a 2023 Emerging Manager, Roxanne feels that VC is where my love of finance and business combust. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's all me. That's it's all. A, it's like, is that really me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, own it, own it, own it. So today we are going to be discussing something very, very specific, right? Today we are talking about the conscious opting out of motherhood. Mm. And this came about from our brunch. Uh, we had brunch a few days ago, right? And we're just talking about everything. And you know, I was talking about the Black woman opt-out and you were like, well, you know, I decided to opt out of motherhood, the traditional version of motherhood. And I was like, yes, like absolutely, we need to have this discussion. And so here we are. I'm so grateful for you being open and willing to have this conversation. So why don't you start with kind of 
what your decision-making process was that led up to this. Hmm, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, it's really interesting because I knew um, at a very young age, in fact, it was maybe around um, 12 or 13, mm -hmm. where I realized um, that I knew I didn't want to have children. I've always been a person that has been focused on who can I become in the world? Mm -hmm. um, and also thinking about what is the fullest expression of Chandra Roxanne in the world? And having children was never a part of that. Mm -hmm. And it was so deep you know, in me as a young, as a young kid that even in my naivete, I remember praying and asking God to please give my ability to reproduce, to have children to a woman who couldn't have mm. children, but deeply wanted to, because I knew I was not going to use this process. I was not going, I was not going to need you know, again, in my naivete, I wasn't going to need my reproductive. My You're right. So, <laughs> take it all. <laughs> so the cycle, everything. So it's like, well, I would, if I could gift anything, I give it to a woman who actually really wants to, but for some reason cannot. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, I have, and it's interesting because I have never, now here's the thing. It's not as though I don't have a, a maternal spirit. It's really fascinating because a lot of people We'll, we'll call that out. And even kids, even in my process, like as I, you know, as I've been, you know, on my journey, I have literally, literally had kids look at me and call me mother. Mm. And that, that would scare their mothers. Right. <laughs> and, wow. um, and so I've always, I've always understood that even though I, for some reason, I had this sort of maternal spirit that others, others associated with. I myself had no desire for hmm. that. Hmm. And I remember thinking, you know, as I started to grow, like, you know, as I said, my first prayer was around 12 or 13, but it was, you know, later in, in life, as I started sort of navigating my path and I kept having these experiences about, you know, with, with kids, mm -hmm. that, you know, that my own understanding of what my role could be um, in sort of the village, you know, in the African proverb says it takes a village to raise a child, mm -hmm. like really understanding what my role was. Like I may not be called to be a birth mother. I may not be called to do that, but I can be, I can be something else. And that something else is something that I am still discovering. And so one of the things that I thought a lot about is, you know, when you, when you are a parent, you are obligated in many ways to be there, to be that, you know, for a child, to be the parent for the child past 18, you know, they say, you, they, you know, they grow up when they're eight or you're, they're an adult when they're 18, but you know, they're going to need you till the day you yeah. train. Yeah. And there, and there may be a sense of obligation. And I knew that I never wanted to be, I never wanted to have the obligation of being in a child's life. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be a choice. And I wanted it to be a choice where um, the child, like me and the child or the children, because, you know, I can work in, in there various forms in which you can affect a child's life. I wanted it to be mutually beneficial, meaning that I wanted to show up with joy and show up with a desire because a child 
can tell when you don't want to be there. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've always thought that children and in particular black children, Mm -hmm. uh, they need they need loving people in their lives. I've heard different debates about, you know, is it a two parent home? Is it a one parent home? It's really about, is it a loving home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it, is it a loving exchange? And so as I begin to think more about, you know, not wanting to feel obligated, but wanting to choose mm-hmm. when and how to be in a child's life, that's when I begin to think about, well, what types of way would work with my desire to fully blossom? as um, I believe that I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, only recently have I really discovered what being a part of the village actually means mm-hmm. and that that can change from day to day. And so yeah. I share with you that I was on, on the train one day and um, seeing a mother, Black mother, needing to do something, attend to something, but her child was wanting the attention. Mm-hmm. And without moving, without trying to get into their space, I just got the child's attention and played with him for a few minutes while she was able to attend to whatever she was doing. Um, and, you know, it, it ended when my stop came and she was grateful and I went on about my way. And that's been a very freeing experience yeah. to, to say, yes, I have opted out of child rearing. Mm-hmm but I can still be influential, whether it's five minutes or five days in a child's life at my choosing. And that has been, again, a liberating experience. Wow. Wow. So, so, okay, so much to unpack here. The first thing is how, right, at 12 years old, did you know so emphatically that you did not want to be a bio mother, right? That you did not want to birth your own children. You know, was was that just, it just came to you one day? Was it because of traumatic experiences where you said, listen, I've had somebody, I know what it feels like to not necessarily be wanted or, you know, I'm just projecting here. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, what was it that at that young of an age you knew motherhood is not for me? Yeah, I think it might be a combination of both. So a combination of different things. Um, and so I would say that part of it was just true intuition. Mm. Like I just did not have the desire for it. And I was around people who had children mm-hmm. um, and you know, even as, even as a child, you know, you're always, um, I shouldn't say you're always, but I was always a person who wanted to go off and do my own thing. Mm. I did not. And, and at times you know, you're, you're assigned to be with children at family gatherings or even at church, you know? And I just realized that, you know, I just, I don't have the desire to do this. And the feeling of being forced in situations, I would say reinforced mm-hmm. my understanding that I I can't make myself do this. I don't want anyone to make me do this. And I am, I'm going to honor that I don't, I personally do not have a desire for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and if I can say that one of the things that, 
you know, that has become really clear to me, even in my journey. And that is that when I think about my grandmothers and the history of uh, enslaved African women who mm-hmm. were forced to be breeders mm-hmm. for a very evil system of chattel slavery where children were sold off or groomed to be sold off. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were a girl, then you would become, you know, a yeah. for, you know, more children that can be, you know, sold. It, I always had a deep affinity with the, the African mothers who killed their children mm. after, after birth and sent them on to the arms of the ancestors so that they would not have to endure the evils of the world in which they live. I always had a deep affinity with these women wow. and wanted to, because I do, Previously, I wrote poetry. I've always been trying to figure out a way to write an ode to those women. Mm. Love was shown in what seems like a brutal act, but actually it's a loving act. And I've all I felt very deep. And I look at the world that are, that's around us when I look at the school systems and I look at how black children are being mm. um, mistreated, like oh. even assaulted in school and school. Not all schools are safe places for them. There's a part of me that says, you know, I love my children too much to allow them to be born. So my refusing and my opting out of childbearing is an act of love. I did not realize that at 12, but I realize that now. Now, yeah. Wow. Yeah, particularly when when we're, I mean, we're living in a society where we thought rules that were, or excuse me, laws that were brought into, that were approved of by the Supreme Court are now being overturned. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I'm living in a completely different world now. And it's like, yeah. you know, I'm, I am very, I'm very happy for the choices. Like, again, I love my children too much to allow them to be born. So out of love, they will remain unborn. And so now my attention is, has turned to, okay, how do I support and be a part of the village for the children who are here? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so one would think or expect, right. And, and, and we talk a lot about like shucking societal expectations in this Mm -hmm. podcast, right. Mm -hmm. But let's just go with the societal expectation, right. Mm -hmm. That men want to be mothers or should want to be mothers of their own children. And so you've, you've had this revelation at 12 years old, you're now moving through adulthood, right? And you are navigating school and career and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And the inevitable question, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to have children? A lot of people would have succumbed to that pressure to birth a child, right? Was there anything that kept you steadfast and unwavering? You know, is there any one thing that you can pinpoint that that you were like, this is not my path, right? And stayed with it instead of 
giving into that societal expectation and being like, okay, well maybe one and done, you know, like, or, or whatever that could have been. Is there one thing? Um, or if not, is there something that kept you, you know, like what was it that kept you focused on the fact that children, natural children were not your, it was not your ministry? I would say, well, I would say um, my number one focus has always been about my contribution to the larger world. Mm. And being very, and, and what was also really helpful was hearing from other women who had chosen similar paths and feeling, okay, this might be rare and unaccepted in some circles, but there are women who were very clear yeah. that I'm not going to, like, that were very clear about refusing to, to bear children. And yet what was so interesting about their stories is that they not, not only were they able to contribute in really meaningful ways, mm -hmm. but because of how excellent their, their contributions were, they ended up having to come back around and teach the next generation mm -hmm. and be inspire the next generation. And so I also saw that the, like choosing not to have children did not separate me from having an influence on them. Mm -hmm. What it did is it, it gave me the freedom to really blossom in the way that I wanted to blossom and to choose as I go, as I you know, was going back going back to what I mentioned earlier, to choose to be in their life at the right time when it was a joyous choice and not out of obligation. Yeah. And I, I will say I'm very much an observer. Mm -hmm. I observe a lot. And mm -hmm. I actually saw women who succumb to yeah. pressure and only later regret it and mm -hmm. then be afraid to actually say, I wish I'd yeah. I make yeah. this Voice yeah. and to be like you know a child again a child does not need a parent regretting that yeah. they have. Mm -hmm. what they need is loving people in their lives and so I think that's the the other thing is what I saw it what I saw it do to women who truly did not want to but they've succumbed to the pressure and yeah. and there are even extreme cases. Uh, extreme, extreme cases of like child neglect and child abuse. Yeah. We think, you know, not everyone is built for this. Yeah. No, not everyone should be a parent. No. And, you know, there is a lot, we, we put people, we put children at risk when we force people to do something that they truly do not have a heart to do. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's one thing not having a heart and it's another thing not having the proper upbringing and skill sets, right? So they're they're very two different things, and both could be very detrimental to a child. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, my my own personal journey with my son's father is is that you know he didn't have the skill sets, and the, you know he's he he's just a dick, right? Like, and and I learned that <laughs> the hard way. 
you know, and, and I will go into that story at another time. Um, but I respect the person who can say, I am not the one who should be a parent, right? Like I wish more people took that inventory of themselves because there would be a lot less hurt children out mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Who grow up, who may grow up into adults who then hurt oh, other people. Right, exactly, who then hurt other people. Pardon the interruption, as I know this episode of the Black Woman Opt Out is fire. If you are ready to have a space of your own that nourishes your mind, body, and soul on your personal opt-out journey, look no further than the design services of the Opt-Out Oasis, providing professional top-tier interior e-design services for your home, she shed, place of business, and more. It is time to embrace the space around you that will allow you to decompress from the stress and overstimulation of the world. Head to theoptoutoasis.com for more information. Now back to the podcast. There is the other side of it that, that says that no child is a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. if they are born, God needed them here for a specific reason. And I truly do believe that. No child is ever a mistake in the eyes of God. That's mm -hmm. how I feel. You know, whether, whether they were an oops baby or a mistake in terms of the parent's decision, um, then you know, that's, that's debatable. Right. But I can respect somebody who can say, this is not the path for me. I'm going to hold fast to this, no matter what societal pressure comes my way, no matter how many people ask me when I'm going to be a mother or why don't you want to be a mother or when is this going to happen? Mm -hmm. um, and, and really be true to themselves. Now, my next question is, how has this affected your relationships, romantic relationships with potential partners um, in knowing that you did not want to birth a child? Um, you know, has that really affected the, the partners that you've been able to have um, committed relationships with? So, it, you know, I'm very clear. Uh, it, it hasn't. Um, in the sense that, so my, my prayer has always been, you know, I don't have the desire for children. So, you know, please par partner me with someone who is okay with that, number one. But number two, I am very, I'm very, very, very clear that this path is not for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I've, when I've met men who like, they want to have children. I it, instantly, it's like, well, then we can be friends and we can be colleagues. Number one, because I don't have the right to withhold fatherhood from you if that's what you desire, mm -hmm. but you don't have the right to impose motherhood on me if I don't have the desire for that. And so I have said, look, there is a woman out there yeah. that is aligned. They want to have kids and they are, they can be aligned with you and we, we can be friends and colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and just be and be very clear. I've been have to, I've had to be very clear, and, and most of them have been accepting. Of course, you get those few of like, why don't you want to be all this kind of stuff? It's like, look, I don't, I am not going to go into any explanation. There's no convincing me. Mm-hmm. This this is the choice. This is a choice I'm making. Um, yeah. and I know why. And again, we can be friends, and yeah. I hope. I hope you find that lady who wants to have children with you. Right. So is that a first date conversation and question? Like, is that, uh, is that a before the first date question that you ask? Like, how do you weed them out and forego the like heartache of getting to know somebody and maybe liking someone and then you have this conversation? What is that process? Yeah. So I've had, I will be completely transparent and I've had very few sort of, I've had very few dates or very few um, engagements with, with potential, with men who will be potential mates just because of how, um, how focused I am on to my, what I, I would say, not just my career, but my contribution to the world. And, um, but I would say that again, I go back to Op, my, my desire, my ability to observe. And so oftentimes when I, when I've had conversations with, with men, they have been in my circle. So I have already been listening to them, seeing them, hearing them. Um, and if they, you know, express interest, you know, I'm comfortable enough with them to, you know, to say like, look, I, you know, I'm not, I don't have, I'm not aligned in this area, but I've taken my time again, because they've been in my social, my professional network. So I've had time to observe them and hear what their conversations are. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes plenty of sense. You you kind of already know what they are looking for, so to speak, because they've already been in your circle. There have been general, you know, casual conversations that maybe they've said something and you've picked up on certain things. So, you know, to either steer clear or yes, he might be a go. Um, but to your point, I have a, so it's funny because even, even now I, um, uh, I have a, a girlfriend who is, um, she's like, you need to get out a little bit more. And so I've often thought about, okay, like, is that a first date question or not? And I think it actually depends on the person. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't want to lead with, you know, the heavy, right? You know, it's like, I just met you, you know? So like, eh, don't want to really talk about this, but it's one of those things that like, you can't leave until later because it is such a major topic and you don't want feelings to get involved. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have to break it to somebody and then you have to go your separate ways, you know? So there's this delicate balance of when to bring something like that up. Um, and when to just enjoy the moment and just have a date, right? Just get to know somebody. Um, So I I can imagine that that can be difficult. Um, Go ahead. But you know, and and not necessarily with dates or anything, but I have had just like in professional settings, people ask like, so do you have kids? And that to me is a a perfect time when I usually say, I don't have kids and I, I don't plan to. And mm-hmm. so that already, that's, that's my way of dropping the seed. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, my way of sort of planting the seed of, um, look, I'm, I'm opting out of, right, right. of having children. Yeah. So when we talk then, or when you talk rather about 
being able to contribute in different ways, being a part of the village, um, you know, being still having that mothering spirit that people identify. What does that consist of? And what do you consider um, being part of the village? And are, are those active steps that you take to ensure that you're doing that? So at, at first I thought it was, right? Mm -hmm. I really, really thought it was like active. So I need to get involved with the children's organization or I need to, you know, have something on a weekly basis. Like in New Haven, they have, I think it's called Connecticut Reads. And so you have someone that comes in and reads to children or like you're volunteering at church. I thought it was something, it had to be something like that. Mm -hmm. But then when I, when I stopped and I realized that that, that experience on the train has you know, has really given me the freedom to say any, I can be in a child's life um, and be a part of the village anywhere. Mm. So it's, it's, it's in grocery stores, you know, it's in parks. It's like, if I'm in the DMV, I can be there. Like, it, and that fits me, that fits me. Um, it fits me very well, be just because of how fluid that is and how, spontaneous that is and how free it is. And so I can be a part of the village as I am running my errands. Mm. As to, I have to set aside this amount of time per week to be um, part of the village. And what I like about it is that that is the entry point. Mm -hmm. That entry point I expect is going to grow. Mm. That is more established, like a regular volunteering or even financially giving to children's organizations. But just the entry point and practice of being a part of the village in those small ways, yeah, I think is what's really, 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 really very important. And I always make sure, particularly with Black children, I always make sure that they, like, when I see them, I go, I, I go out of my way now to have some type of, of uh, engagement with them, even if it's just a smile or a wave, because I want them to see a Black adult depositing and being kind to them oh, and also part of being a, a, a part of being a part of the village or my yeah. how I participate in being part of the village and so what I really like about this sort of stage is that it gives me time to really think about what one or two organizations do I really want to get involved in and be able to roll up my sleeves mm -hmm. and again that goes back to I, this would be a choice that's made out of joy not an obligation. Yeah. And it, it won't feel like a burden or um, a barrier or a challenge to me contributing the way that I want to contribute. Yeah. I mean, I, a hell of respect for you. I mean, seriously, you know, it's, it's, um, it's just a, 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 a I don't want to say different way of thinking because that has a negative connotation. It's not what I mean. It's just an alternate, you know, it's, yeah. it's an option, right? Like it's, we have options out here and what we choose to opt into or opt out of is our choice. And that's really what this movement, right? The black woman opt out is all about. It's our choice. Exactly. Right? And and standing firm in what that choice is. And this just so happens to be one of those choices that is so major, yeah. right? It's not whether or not you want to opt out of, you know, gardening, right? Like, <laughs> right. like it's, it's more major than that, you know? Yeah. And so it's just 
to to know it from such a young age and to be so steadfast in your conviction, you know, through adulthood and to be so dedicated to who you are at your core that you are like on front street. Nope, I'm not aligned with that. So I'm sorry, because a lot of women would have met the, a man who they really want to be with and they would have given in. And then they would have children now where, and they're, they're sitting there to themselves. How the hell did I get myself into this? Yeah. Right? Like that's their thought process behind the scenes and they're mad and they're resentful and they're not doing the things that they wanted to do in life. And so now life has taken them in a different direction than they really wanted to be. So to hear you just be so, you know, feet to the ground on this is, it's just a beautiful thing. It really, truly is. Um, and you know, I, I have, I have girlfriends who are 40 plus now and not that they didn't want children, but the opportunity never arose for mm -hmm. them to birth their own children. And so they now are on this journey of self-discovery as to what it means to be a woman who never gave birth to her own children. You know, their reasoning and yours are different, but I think that there are some fundamental commonalities, right, for women who do not have biological children and how they start to define their life without that peace that so many other people have. Um, and I don't have the answers to that, right? Because I, I am a mother, you know, my son, um, he, he was a surprise, but I knew once he was, once he was a thing, he was a thing and he was not going anywhere. Right. And I was in this to, to the day that I die, I'm in this with my son and, you know, it could have gone the other way where I was resentful and, you know, so much, but when I tell you he's, he's taught me so mm -hmm. much, right? Like, and so that's what I mean by like, children are never a mistake, you know, in terms of who they are and them needing to be here on this earth. And I know he has his own purpose, but I will say motherhood has been hard and it's taken mm -hmm. me off of the path that I wanted to be on. And there's so many sacrifices and yes, to your point, obligations, right? Because this is just who we are as mothers there are it's inevitable there are obligations as a parent that you should be meeting you mm -hmm. don't have to mm -hmm. you don't have to right like we have choice in everything mm -hmm. so so when we say obligations like that 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 denotes that we can't get out of it but really and truly you can cuz i parents can just up and walk away right some yeah. do and some do, you know what I mean? But it's the damage that they leave behind that you also have opted out of. Yes, 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 yes. And, and I'm, this is so wonderful because I was just thinking that it's done a couple of things. So because I, I was never, you know, driven by a, bio a biological clock, I mm -hmm. then understood like I can now take my time and I can really vet men and I can, I can, I don't have to go on 15 or 20 dates a week. I can actually like slow my role and say, I'm just going to, I'm just going to observe. Yeah. I'm going to take my time. Um, 
And the other, I mean, and so that has been very, very freeing to me. I'm in no rush, you know, to get married or, you know, or even be in a relationship because I just want to take my time to make sure it's right. Um, but also when I think about, you know, I remember going back to that story of when that, when I, when children would literally call me mother, mm. to Deandra, like I, there was something like I wanted to vomit. I mean, I just realized like, it's like, I am, I don't, I, I can't even fathom being someone's mother at this age. I'm just trying to figure out like how to get a bank account right now. Like, <laughs> How to keep how to keep 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 the deposits in the in the account? Like I'm I'm trying to still figure out like this is when I was younger trying to yeah. still figure out, like what is credit and how do you have great credit? Right, like, <laughs> you know, like just trying to figure out life in in and of myself, um, and then to be responsible for another life and trying to teach it what you don't. It was just overwhelming. It's like yeah. no. no no, I, this is not, this is not for me. This iteration of life is just, that's not for me. Um, and so I love the idea, like, yes, that I have not, I've opted out of doing damage um, because of lack of preparation, lack of hard pressure, all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and that is a contribution to society, a, a woman who is not forced mm -hmm. to be mother, but has opted out and how healthy that is. And now from this vantage point, how can I contribute? Yeah, yeah. You know, just because you can do it biologically does not mean that you have to, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then this, this contributing when it's a mutual feeling of joy, right? Yes, because beautiful thing. Yes. And that's, this is what is so important. Um, when you think about, you know, black women opting out and when we opt out, what are we opting into? We're opting into a life of joy. You know, when you think about the life of a black woman, how it is, it's often struggle and mm -hmm. survival that is not joyful. And then how in the world do you expect us to come out and be who we really are? If we can't be that through joy, we don't have the experience of joy, even in, everyday uh, decisions of, you know, regarding our life. And this is so very important because I will say that part of my journey, which is very interesting, this is another revelation, part of my journey has made people upset. I mean, I have had mm -hmm. to, when people wanted to assign me roles because I don't have children. So now mm -hmm. you're, you're now responsible for my child's college fund or getting my child into this. Like I've literally had to say, no, I've literally had people ask me to be godmother and understanding what they are wanting oh. by me being the godmother. That this is not like out of joy. This is out oh. of, I know I can get some stuff from you and they have an expectation of what that role is going to entail. And I have had say no thank no thank you shut no. up no I so you were wait so you were telling me that friends of yours have said to you Chandra I want you to be godmother of my child I love you so much but in their mind you know it's because they're like oh but she got money because she don't have a child of her own and she can help provide this that or the third for my child or there's a benefit 
to her not having a child because her time is free. And when I need a babysitter, she should be able to be there to do it because she doesn't have any children of her own. Are you telling me that that's what their thought process was? Yes. That's happened to me a couple of times. (gasps) Yes. And so again, like it's like, and even I've had to put, you know, I had to put strong boundaries even around my biological family. It's like, you know, I made it very clear. My parents, like my mother would always ask me, are we to expect anything from you? And I said, you are to expect no children from me. You've got two other children. You've got grandchildren from them. No, 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 you're not. No, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm not going to make you a grandparent. You you have right. other- but also to ask that question is to reduce me to my womb. Exactly. For somebody else's benefit. Again, going right. back to our grandmothers, right? You're breeding for somebody else's benefit. Right. Mm. Mm. But you got to carry the load. Yes. Benefit. Right. It's a form of exploitation. And what I'm saying is no, 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 no. If I'm going to enter into a child's life, I'm going to do so out of my choice, out of my freedom. And I'm not at the the risk of being repetitive out of my joy. Yeah. Yeah. Out of my joy, not my obligation. Wow. 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 Or my exploitation. Or my exploitation. Right. Yes. How wow. many grandmothers wish that they could have opted out? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yes. And so I think about, okay, you know, this, this drive to be like the fullest expression of myself and to contribute is not just Chandra's selfish desire. It's like, I've got my grandmothers in my ear who yeah. could not even think about what do you want to do with your life? Nope. And I get to birth that. I get to birth them by coming into my full fruition. And that to me, DeAndra, that to me is the greatest birth that I can have, is the birth of myself and my grandmothers through myself. Mm, 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 mm. Birth of who they could never become because they were forced. Yes. Yeah, because that choice was taken away from them. Yeah, I mean, you you know, we you you talk about about slavery, right? Being the breeders, having children just for more slaves to be born, and you know that process happening. But then there's also this this practice that you know for our immediate grandmothers and great grandmothers, where they were just they they too were breeders six seven eight nine children back to back to back to back being pregnant for 10 plus years right because that was what was expected of them was just to keep on having children mm-hmm. um and the fact that they could not drive you know they couldn't vote they couldn't you know have their own jobs they couldn't even have their own credit or credit card until what how many years ago was that 50 years ago or so maybe even sooner than or sooner than that um so it was this idea that it's like well what else do you have to do but have the babies and cook the food mm-hmm. right even mm-hmm. though they may have wanted to do many other things but they literally were on their back breeding six, seven, eight, nine children, 10 children mm-hmm. in a family. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, to your point about permission, I remember maybe I want to say a few years ago, I saw a TED talk with a woman who um, heard, heard the title of her TED talk was something around, you know, a woman like deciding to be a childless, a childless mm -hmm. woman, a childless wife, because she was married and her and her husband, neither one of them wanted to have children. And so she went to have her tooth type and she literally had to fight with the doctor and the doctor told her she needed to get permission from her husband. And she's like, wait a minute, first of all, permission, but my husband and I have already made this decision. Right. You not to question me, you are to execute what I have asked you to do. Right. Yeah. Imagine. Yes. And wanted to go through this whole intervention that something must be wrong with her. And it's like, no, 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 no. You know, I, I, to that point, I have a friend who um, knew he didn't want to be a father and he's in his twenties. And he called me one day and we were just chatting, you know, and he's like a little brother to me. And I'm like, what's going on with you? I got my vasectomy scheduled for next week. Like he said it like it was like, we were talking about the weather. And I was like, what? <laughs> And he was like, yeah, I don't, you know, I've already told you I, I don't want children. And I was like, I know, but like, and then I had to stop myself with, from the, are you sure? And did, yeah, I was like, hey, do you, if that, you know, like respect, but he too was somebody from a very young age, knew he never wanted to be a father. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, you got to let people do what they're going to do. Like it's nobody's, or nobody's um, prerogative to question. Like or, or to require permission from somebody external than who than that person. Yes. And, you know, you know, it's funny because I want to just I want to circle back on the dating thing, because one of the things that I have I have thought about a lot. And again, this is this has been controversial is. You know, would I date a man who has a child? Oh, yeah. And I have said constantly, I do not want to be a mother. Okay. And so I have thought a lot about that because when it comes to, you know, the age of the child. So if they, if they have someone that's 18 or 20, it's kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. you know, for the most part, they're self-sufficient mm -hmm. <laughs> every once in a while. But even that is still been, even that is, is still it has given me pause, but I'm definitely clear and, and you know, if they're still in high school or even college, I don't, I don't want to be a mother. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so that, that also has come up, you know, with, you know, wanting someone who is also childless and desires to be childless. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Um, I, I, um, just literally before we got on this recording, had an interview with a matchmaker because a sis is tired of running these ghetto streets. I just, <laughs> I can't do it. I don't want to vet anybody anymore. I need somebody to do it for me and be like, be here at this time because we found somebody for you to go on a date. Great. Like, I'm tired. I don't want to be in these streets. So one of the questions was, will you date someone who has children? Now, in my own birthing, right, I, of course, have my son, Tristan. He's almost 15, so he's in ninth grade, which means four more years. He'll be an adult. I'm using air quotes, you know, and whatever he chooses to do from there. But, you know, like we said, you're always a parent. Once a parent, you're always a parent until the day you die. So fine. But he's older. 
right? Like he's self-sufficient, he's doing his own thing. Um, and so my answer to her was, yes, I would. And, and then I said, they need to be older though, like me, like 10 or over, you know, like I don't want to deal with like a two-year-old anymore. I don't not, you know, but after I thought about it and I did not say this, but I'm going to go back to her. I don't even want children who are like 10 at this mm -hmm. point. Like they need to be about to graduate from high school or older because I just don't have that desire anymore. And because of certain things that's going on with my own child, I don't want to mother anybody else's because mm. I, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to do that. Mm. Um, but it was, it was a, just an automatic kind of response without really being in tuned with what I really wanted. Yes. You know? It yeah. was just, it was just like, a, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, if it's the right guy, but honestly, I don't believe that I want to at this age, at this point in my life, I don't believe that I want to date a man who has children younger than like 16, quite honestly, yeah. you know, because I don't want to necessarily be their mother. I'm not saying that I wouldn't want to be a family unit, right? Like that's different, but mothering a child for me at this point is not the lifestyle that I want. It's yeah. just not what I want anymore. Um, I also made the decision not to have any more children. So my conversations with men are different now because mm -hmm. if you, and I'm willing to date somebody younger than me, but if you want children or more children, I am not your girl. Like yeah. I had a uterine ablation. So I opted out of ever getting pregnant again. Yes. You know, um, because I just knew that it, where I am in my life, having more children is not going to be it. Now I made that decision when I was still with my partner of almost five years, we made it together because one of his deal breakers was that he didn't want any more children. And I thought we were going to be together forever. Right. And so I was fine making this decision, but even after that breakup, I am okay. Like, because I know that I don't want to birth any more children I, or mother any more children. So that includes adoption. That includes fostering, yes. right? I just don't want it anymore. And that's okay. Yes. Whereas some women who were 42 still desire to have children. And that's okay too, right? Yes. Like it's all about what you really want, where you are in your life and how you envision the rest of your life playing out. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, and when I, you know, the, you know, choice to me is having a choice is freedom. It's like the ultimate expression of, of freedom. And I feel as though, particularly for Black women, I like this idea. I think we make decisions automatically. Yeah. And we're so disconnected from what do you desire? Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you desire? Yeah. That we just make you know, we just make um, these decisions automatically. And I remember when I was in Portland, Oregon, I was, this was also part of my journey of, I, I wanted to re I wanted to just have conversations with older women, right? Mm -hmm. uh, about the loves of their life. Mm. And I remember this black woman and she had, 
she had talked about how she was married to this gentleman for like 17, 19 years. And, you know, he didn't love her. She didn't love him. And several years after they divorced, then she met the love of her life. And they did not have any children at all. They just enjoyed one another. But she had seven children with a man she did not love and that did not love her. And I said to her, how do you have children with a man you don't love and that does not love you? And she looked at me and said, because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. that's the expectation. That's what you do. I don't understand that. She's like, that's what you do, Chandra. That's what, that's what I, that's what we, what we did and what we do. And it's like, yeah. I was, I, 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 I thought I cannot participate in that either. Yeah. Floored, floored by that. But that is the sentiment. That's just what you do when you're married. And, you know, I have often thought about a woman's biological clock. Mm-hmm. How it has been turned against us, where mm-hmm. it's like you need to get, you know, you need to get, you know, either married or pregnant, you know, by a certain period of time, right? And it's almost like put on us, like so we're the onus yeah. is on to do everything. Mm-hmm. I have always felt, you know, I, I being a spiritual being, be, believing, you know, in God, I, I thought, you know, for women to be made with a biological clock, I wonder if that's to our benefit. I wonder if that's more to men of you need to demonstrate within a short period of time that you are worthy of continuing on by way of a child, that you are worthy of being in relationship with women, that you are worthy of the title husband. Mm. And if you don't prove worthy enough, then the opportunity for you to continue on is gone. And that actually is a benefit to us. I can see your thought process there. My immediate response to that, though, is that they can just go find someone younger. Right? But I wonder, yes, yes. And yet I wonder if that consciousness have penetrate, have penetrates more women. If even the younger women mm-hmm. are going to accept the pressure. Yeah, yeah. Do I really desire this? At, at, do I really desire this? Yeah. And again, if you are a young man, or even if you're an older man, if you want to, if you want to have any woman really continue your legacy, your legacy, there's a short period of time in which you must do that. Mm, yeah. Wow. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Wow. I want to kind of wrap this, because I know we can talk about it forever, but I want to kind of wrap this conversation up with something very specific for women who are considering, Mm. right, this opting out of motherhood, either ever or again, right? Mm -hmm. Um, One of the best decisions that I made in my journey to opt out of being a mother for the second time was finding a Black OBGYN. So part of my story, um, and this might be a podcast topic for another time, was just unbelievably painful cycles, right? Like on Mm -hmm. the floor, doubled over in so much pain, 
but like I didn't have fibroids. I didn't like, there was no medical real reason for it. Right. And as I was getting older <clears throat> and I knew that I was not having any more children, I was like, I, like, I can't suffer this pain mm. for a child that's never coming. Like this does not make any sense. Yes. But I went to doctors before OBGYNs who were white. And I would tell them about my pain and they'd be like, oh, hot water bottle, use some Motrin, you know, whatever, you know, we'll check for this, we'll check for that. But we don't see anything kind of on the surface level. It was not until I found a black OBGYN that she set out a plan for me. Mm. She laid out all of my options up into a hysterectomy. Like she laid them all out and she said, these are your options. So you have choice, you have options, number one. You don't have to suffer like this, like you are. Mm. But then before that, she said, but we will run these tests to ensure that there is nothing going on, right? So that included a sonogram, that included a scope, right? That included um, a, like an internal sonogram as well. Like, so just to check to make sure that there was nothing that was really going on deeper inside of my body. So this was the first time that it was thorough. I felt heard. I felt seen. I was like, something is not right. I should not be in this amount of pain, especially as I'm getting older, right? Like it should be like chilling out, but it was getting worse. So she laid out a plan of action and she gave me my options. And then I was able to choose the one that was right for me, which was the uterine ablation. So I still have all of my lady bits. It's just the lining of my uterus was removed. So I can't carry a pregnancy, but I also don't have a cycle every month. So the pain is gone. Mm. My point in saying this is if you are choosing to not be a mother for the first time, second time, third time, anymore, whatever, you have options. Find a medical professional, preferably a, a well-respected Black OBGYN who will help you set out a plan of action and actually listen to you because you know your body best. Any doctor who was going to tell you, did you get permission from your husband first? Any doctor who was going to say, well, it's not really that bad. So just take some Motrin or a heating pad. That they ain't it. That, nope. That's a hard no and a hard, I'm not your patient anymore. Please, like emphatically, I'm telling you, find a doctor who will listen to you so you can make the best decision possible for yourself. Absolutely. 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 And I only thing I would add is also to sort of take time with sitting with what your desires are yes. so that as you're vetting doctors, that they're vetted along that line of this is what my desire is, as opposed to being pressured again to do something that you don't want to do. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. You have options. Yes, you do. Exercise them. Yeah. Well, Chandra, this has been such an enlightening conversation. Um, like, I mean, so much respect for standing firm in who you are and knowing what you want. 
Um, and so much respect for freely talking about it and empowering other women who don't want to be a biological mother. It is okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you yeah. so much for the opportunity. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Ladies, tune into the next episode of the Black Woman Opt Out podcast. Until then, I am your host, Deandra Coleman, and I wish you many, many, many choices rooted in who you really want to be and the lifestyle you really want to live. Until next time. Hey, Deandra Coleman here. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Black Woman Opt Out podcast. I want to encourage you or someone that you know to apply to be a guest if you are interested in sharing your opt out journey. We are always looking for Black women who are ready to amplify their voice and engage in meaningful dialogues that destigmatize opting out, promoting mental health, self discovery, and challenging societal expectations. Contact us at theblackwomanoptout.com, scroll down to be a guest, and fill out the application there.